In the late 1970s, the industrial world was entering a third revolution, where memory programmable computerized controls and partial automation was improving efficiency in factories. But this only served to highlight many of the inefficiencies inherent in organizations, inefficiencies that US quality control expert Dr. Armand Feigenbaum talked about in his concept of hidden factories. It was in this hidden part of organizations where bad work was done, leading to hidden costs and inefficiencies that were not being taken into account. Costs such as these occur when there is an error in production and a product must be manufactured again, or costs which occur when there are delays in the supply chain. Feigenbaum estimated that companies could be losing between 20 and 40% of their production capabilities to the hidden factory, and that there was a risk that the increase of computer control and automation would also lead to the acceleration of some of the more wasteful operations. For some industries, automation of the manufacturing process and a move from analogue to digital operations did lead to major improvements in efficiency and consistency. But others are still wrestling with identifying the bad parts of the hidden factory. They're still searching for the hidden losses in the production process. To do that requires huge amounts of data. Data that is now available for collection and analysis, thanks to the stratospheric leap forward in data processing power, which has led to the fourth industrial revolution that we are in today, known as Industry 4.0. And it's probably an overused phrase, but that data is the new oil, right? You take it in its raw form, it's not massively useful, but once you can refine it and extract value from it, it becomes a massive commodity. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Jane Sophia. In this episode, we've partnered with industrial IoT company Pathfinder to talk about smart factories and the fourth industrial revolution, Industry 4.0. We'll also learn that the future is near and it's a less intimidating journey than many might expect. To explore this, we went back to a place that knows all about smart factories, Sheffield University's Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre, or AMRC. A place we visited in 2019 to see firsthand the exciting array of technologies that are driving forward factories of the future. It was episode number 33 and we will link to it in the show notes. Three years later, for this episode, we met Alex Godby here, technical fellow for smart factories at AMRC, who knows a lot about the potential economic impact of companies implementing smart factory tech through his work at Factory 2050. Fittingly, he talked about the importance of data, data from consultant PwC. And they they found that a potential, I think it's something like $15 trillion boost to kind of global GDP by 2030 could be gained. So maybe we're being a bit relaxed with the 2050 timescale. Maybe it should be called Factory 2030 instead. Before we get into the power of data to expose the hidden factory, Alex defines the key terms. You may hear the terms Industrial Internet of Things or IIoT, Industry 4 and Smart Factories being, I guess, thrown around quite interchangeably, but there are actually quite a few key differences. The Industrial Internet of Things, it really refers to that interconnected network of devices, of sensors within a factory. And what it does, it really represents the data collected across an industrial organization. 
Now, industry four, which is kind of the next term, this is kind of the concept of, of the fourth industrial revolution. It's a generalized term and it, it refers to how innovations enabled by the internet of the industrial internet of things. So things like connected devices, huge, massive advances in com computing in, in recent years. And I guess the requirement for, for modern day manufacturers to be agile, to be reactive and to be lean in what is, I guess, quite a fast paced landscape. And then smart factory, quite simply, a smart factory is a, a manufacturing facility that, that embodies all of those above concepts. There are many exciting and futuristic technologies that are being integrated into smart factories, like artificial intelligence, advanced robotics, augmented reality. We'll have more on them later. But underpinning smart factories is data, and providing manufacturers with real-time data is what Pathfinder does. Pathfinder is a technology business that helps our customers unearth the hidden factory. And we do that uh, through the provision of an infrastructure which senses the environment within a factory, within a warehouse, within a logistics chain uh, and, and transports that or extracts that information uh, and then stores it and presents it in, in an online portal. That was Andrew Shear, Marketing Director for Pathfinder. The company's technology can track the location of goods or tools within a factory or as they travel around the world. So we provide what we call real-time asset intelligence, which I suppose is, is a bit like real-time location system, but on uh, 10 times. So in addition to knowing where something is, it's also about the environmental conditions they are experiencing as well as any movement, micro-movement. And all that data is then processed, analysed and displayed on a user software platform. And with this data, companies can start uncovering and minimising the hidden factory. And this technology gets used in different industries in different ways. Like a steel producer that wants to know the conditions that the steel has experienced as it moves through production facilities. Or a petroleum company wanting to track their bulk containers as they travel around the world and know exactly how much product is in them. Another example is a, a major auto manufacturer who have been faced by challenges transporting parts uh, from parts production into uh, assembly the other side of the world. And, and what they've found is that actually those parts haven't necessarily made it fully intact or without um, rust, etc. And so we've been able to provide them with the management information by using, using our, our technology to really understand how to maximize the benefit of, of packaging to ensure that actually those, those uh, parts arrive from, as I said, one side of the world to the other in the best possible condition. And really we've been able to show and uncover a level of detail that they've not even known existed uh, previously, which has really made a, a massive difference in terms of how they manage their logistic chain. So that's one key part of it. Manufacturers are already taking advantage of the industrial Internet of Things to collect and analyse data and reduce their hidden factories. But what other technologies will be utilised in smart factories and how will we know when we've reached Industry 4.0? 
Smart factories aren't just about data collection. Other technologies will be used in smart factories, but developing those technologies to a stage where companies can confidently implement them isn't easy. That's where organisations like the AMRC and their Factory 2050 come in. We, we, the AMRC, we're part of the University of Sheffield. And the, what we find is the research tends to be relatively cheap to, to prove out and develop in a kind of a lab-based environment. But it can be, it can be quite expensive to, to kind of de-risk and mature. And typically academia can't afford to do that. And industry aren't really prepared to accept it at that level of maturity. So there's historically a bit of a disconnect. So we act as an intermediary between the university and our industrial partners. So what we do is we effectively make the mistakes for them in a kind of a safe but representative environment. The AMRC focuses on the high-value manufacturing sector and has partnered with major companies in aerospace, automotive, digital and medical manufacturing. So it's actually quite interesting. It, it's, it's one of the, the few places in the world where direct competitors sit around the same table and discuss the same manufacturing problems. Factory 2050 was originally designed as a test factory for reconfigurable manufacturing. So the concept of rather than building a factory to build a part, you would rent time in a factory that could build anything, which is quite, quite an interesting concept. Now the focus is on new digital autonomous technology to help prove the viability of the tech in a commercial setting. One of the technologies being tested is augmented reality. So it's used quite extensively within kind of more forward-thinking manufacturing companies. And there are, there are a number of uses for it. One of the ones that I think is really interesting is the use of personalised work instructions. So typically when we're manufacturing a, a part, we will have a, a set of work instructions, which will say, you know, insert bolt into this hole, tighten to this, to this torque. Historically, they will be on paper, print printed out. More recently, they'll be on some sort of computer screen or terminal. But kind of the, the, the real cutting edge of that is, is displaying them on, on a, a piece of augmented reality equipment. Not only could this help with worker training and productivity, but it can also reduce errors and waste, which would shrink the hidden factory. So these, these uh, augmented reality devices typically have the ability to validate components. So if you have to insert a, a bracket, for example, the cameras on the device that, use, that it uses for tracking could also potentially be used to say, okay, we validate that that component is in the right position, for example, all automatically. As different parts of factories and the machines in them become more interconnected, there could be an increase in the role of robots in the manufacturing process. So automated guided vehicles, or AGVs as we call them, are just that. They're basically um, at a very high level. They, they can be used as kind of large remote controlled cars, really. Um, and they're typically used to, to move around components within a manufacturing line. If we can architect a factory that is at a high level self-aware, right, it's able to understand the current state of a manufacturing process and react. That's where tools like AGVs really, really become valuable. So uh, an example off the top of my head is if, for example, we're, we're producing a component and we, are, when we have a, a number of um, individual assemblies at different stages of, of kind of completeness and they're moving down a production line and one of the machines um, goes down, it, it, it breaks. 
if we have a, uh, a factory that is able to detect that and react, it could, for example, instruct the AGVs to, to route the components through a different route, a different process, a different, different way around the factory or without kind of human intervention. Improving manufacturing technology has long led to fears over people's role in the workplace. I think it was a guy called Warren Bennis that said something like, the factory of the future will have only two employees, a man and a dog. The man will be there to feed the dog, and the dog will be there to keep the man from touching the equipment. Warren Bennis was a professor of management at the University of Southern California and author of 30 books on leadership. He passed away in 2014. But that's not really the whole story. It's also created a lot of high-skilled and highly-paid jobs as well. But I think fundamentally, the, the, the jobs need to be fit for purpose. So to answer your question, humans are really quite clever. And we're much more suited to non-repetitive tasks than robots. Right? So in the future, there's going to be a huge demand for things like collaborative working between humans and robots but also humans to, to kind of use the data, say the data. So data tends to be refined, right? It becomes knowledge um, and humans can then act on that knowledge. So to, to summarize, that, that there will be, be humans in, in the loop and they will be making, they'll be making the key decisions. Another concern that both Pathfinder and the AMRC have come across is the perceived cost and difficulty associated with turning an existing factory into a smart factory. But to implement certain aspects of a smart factory doesn't require a huge transformation. So what, one of the kind of the, the, the common misconceptions that, that, that we tend to come across with, with smart factories is that they must be deployed onto kind of greenfield sites, right? So you need to start from scratch. You need to deploy a, a factory with, with um, cutting edge kind of networking and infrastructure. But any factory really can at least slightly become a, a, a smart factory. And we, we've done quite a lot of work at the AMRC on, on how to connect legacy machines to, e to each other and to kind of digitally enable them using things like low cost sensors and, and equipment. So. The, the answer to the question, what do you need to, to kind of create a, a smart factory, really isn't, it isn't a lot. And the AMRC has publicly laid out clear plans for implementing a smart factory, something they call Factory Plus. And one of the things that, that we've invested in quite heavily is um, an open access framework, which, which we've developed at the AMRC called Factory Plus. And what it is, is it acts as a, um, a blueprint for modern manufacturing facilities and and with that we're trying to kind of answer the question of right okay let, let's go back to basics how can we best digitally architect a factory okay, and, and as part of that the associated organization and i guess the, with that as well the supply chain that cannot just exist but also thrive in in tomorrow's manufacturing landscape so we're really trying to i guess step one is raising awareness that it is possible, right? that it's not overly complex, and, it is, it, and that it is affordable. You can find a link to the Factory Plus Blueprint in the show notes. Andrew's team has also encountered industries hesitant to implement smart technology. I think the massive concerns in terms of adoption uh, and, that, and, and that journey of digital transformation, and I think these principally revolve around historic problems or historic challenges with with 
implementation of this type of project, which have often suffered extensively from mission creep uh, and, and cost creep. But real-time asset information technology doesn't require huge amounts of installation and can be retrofitted in any factory. So our basic network is, is, is sensors which are attached to the asset you want to track. Within a facility, you then have detectors which locate and, and also provide a conduit to, to take the uh, data back to the cloud and then obviously the, the, the cloud platform itself. Now the detectors, the, the sensors and the detectors are both completely autonomous in that they're not reliant on the local systems within our customer's facility. They have their own power source, they have their own communication capability through 5G or Bluetooth, whatever, whether the sensor, whether the detector and therefore they can deploy be deployed very 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 quickly now our solution set is about uh, attaching tags to assets uh, and therefore yes you need to attach a tag whether that's the bluetooth or uwb tag or for a for global tracking it's it's a gps tag those have to be uh, attached to the asset you want to, to tag but that can be done very, very quickly, very, very easily without having to rewire anything, without having to connect to a customer network. So it provides a really, really quick entry point. Ease of installation means they think factories and organisations from all industries can benefit from this kind of technology. It becomes an easy gateway into the benefits of what ultimately are digital transformation uh, industry 4.0 smart smart factory and whilst it's not a complete solution it, it does provide some really key building blocks with it with it which to build that type of solution so for us we believe we can help 99.9% of organizations improve what they're doing quickly and, and, and cost effectively because of the nature of our technology. So whether that's in hospitals, whether it's construction, anywhere that you have processes that are less than visible to and, and therefore uh, difficult to, to optimize. Because at the end of the day, we're all about giving the management team within an organization the ability to improve process to optimize process uh, and, and therefore do things much more effectively the best use for technology does not always come from the supplier often companies will come to them with an idea so this year pathfinder is launching a competition for companies to pitch the best new use cases for the technology and that is really uh, encouraging customers, potential customers, to, to think about how our technology can benefit for them. Uh, and we're rewarding those individuals, the, the, the individuals who come up with the most uh, exciting, innovative, interesting uh, application of our technology, they could win access to our platform for, for 12 months, for a year. So the, the, the challenge is all about trying to 
foster a belief that people can make a big difference within the organizations coming up with some really great ideas and, and we're very happy to help them deliver those ideas and and, and um, we will, will pay for in one instance the, the uh, technology required. Different industries have different technological needs but some industries have been faster to adopt smart technologies than others. I think there are there are certainly industries that are ahead of the curve. So I mean the automotive sector. So cars m manufacturing has been using automation for for decades. They're very very efficient at what what they do and um, they have relatively high throughput compared to aerospace which is uh, typically less. So automation absolutely are, are ahead of the curve. So logistics companies um, heavily use um, re rely on technologies that we're using within smart factories to to perform their operations. So yeah, aut automotive absolutely are up there. And this kind of comes back to that translational research, that horizontal innovation that I mentioned. So we can learn a lot from industries that are ahead of the curve with with maybe some slight tweaking to the way the technology is applied. What if you implement all of Pathfinder's tech? Are you immediately a smart factory? In terms of interconnectivity, we can. it's about, for us, providing the data which facilitates uh, that digital transformation, which facilitates ultimate achievement of smart factory and, and industry 4.0. But it's not simply a question of being a smart factory or not being a smart factory companies adopt different smart factory technologies according to their needs. What we notice is, um, well, at least from my perspective, is, is kind of the pattern by, by which most companies have, have been approaching the adoption of these digital technologies. So manufacturing is typically quite far behind the curve when it comes to adopting these digital technologies. And if you kind of take that and I guess couple it with the fact that as organisations grow, typically so do their digital requirements. And what we tend to see, uh, not always, right, but, the, but the, the general trend is organic development of digital architectures. And they become, I guess, almost Frankenstein-like. So a new technology comes along, uh, so oh, that solves a problem, so we'll bolt it on. And then oh, another technology comes along that solves a problem, so we'll bolt it on. New technologies are still being developed and tested, and smart factories may look very different down the road. But the process of using digital technology and data analysis to start revealing parts of the hidden factory and optimising the manufacturing process is already underway. As a wise man once said, the devil is in the detail, and now we know that the details are defined by the data. Whether 4.0 will still look like 4.0 in 5-10 years, I don't know. And there's still a lot of work to be done across a whole host of organisations in order to get anywhere close to that. Which is why, yes, you can set yourself a, a massive objective uh, at, of uh, Industry 4.0, but actually taking smaller, much more manageable steps in that direction will also uh, deliver an, a lot of benefit. Uh, and that's, the, I suppose, the message that we are pushing and pushing hard. Many of the kind of higher level OEMs, the top of the supply chain, 
are seeing the benefits of applying this kind of technology outside of the factory. So across the supply chain, which is, I would say, probably accelerating the adoption of that within maybe some smaller companies um, within that within that, that supply chain. But I would say, I'd say confidently that there are companies, there are organizations which are firmly in the fourth industrial revolution and have been for quite a long time. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and produced by Johnny Dowling, hosted by me, Alex Conacher, co-hosted by Jane Sophia, edited by Bernadette Ballantyne, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young, and our own all-seeing eye is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Pathfinder. And thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps and on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media.